Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, where I'm joined by a panel of experienced tech leaders. The topic that we'll be discussing today is from engineer to engineering leadership. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into this, let's work our way around the room and make some introductions. So I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside the world. So, Angel? Yeah, thank you for that. My name is Angel Donchef. I'm what we call in most platform portfolio technology lead. I'm responsible for all the transportation platforms in MERSC, so those are all the systems that are accountable for our ocean transportation, landside transportation, air transportation. And on top of it, I have the privilege to lead our technology operations platform and the technology measures and acquisition function. Outside of work, um, I love sports. Uh, I have two kids, so we play a lot of them, uh, tennis, basketball, soccer, and that's it. Very nice. Who's your football team? Liverpool, unfortunately. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, I said that. Well, I'd just like to thank you as well, Angle, for your hospitality, for letting us host this episode here. But without further ado, Thomas, if you'd like to give us a little introduction. I'm Thomas. I'm uh, currently the CTO at uh, No Ignite. No Ignite is a digital agency. We develop a broad range of digital solutions for, uh, for clients uh, across the Nordics. Um, and I've been in various engineering leadership roles for, for many years. Um, outside of work, I also like sports. I play the global sport of uh, canoe polo, um, I, and I have a, I'm a former basketball player, and, and I also have a couple of kids who play basketball. Um, so, I think, and I like to eat and cook. I want to cross question you as well. Favorite cuisine? Favorite cuisine? Um, probably Moroccan. Good shot. Good shot. And moving on to go stuffed. Yeah, uh, I'm Kostov. I'm uh, working as a head of development at the uh, domain, widely a small, newly formed business uh, that's uh, sprung up that's basically called Health Body. Uh, but the main is uh, also a digital company doing a uh, digital agency company that's doing uh, pharmaceutical uh, solutions for uh, fairly big companies, Judge uh, Johnson, I think uh, a couple of other big uh, pharmaceutical companies are in the pipeline. And then on the side in health body, we're doing a small product app that uh, should help uh, people with uh, high uh, uh, chronic disease. And the idea is that it should be done this year and so we can enter the, actually the German market next year, um, hopefully. Uh, so that will be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, when I'm not working, I'm living in Amar with uh, Weistan couple of kids, um, so a lot of time goes with that project. And as I mean, also you, Thomas, I like to eat, 
I also run quite a lot, so uh, it may not be seen. Enough, but I like to eat and cook and travel. So and it's all about balance, isn't it? I think that's why I go to the gym as well, balancing out my um, my big appetite. Yeah. How old are the kids go start? Uh, seven and nine, right? Now. So stand there. The funny is where they don't they do don't do that much trouble. <laughs> Good old school. Yeah. And last by no means least, fun. Hi everyone. It's great to meet you, and um, thank you for the opportunity to be here. My name is Juan Hernandez, and I'm an engineering manager at The Waze, which is Europe's leading managed vacation rental group. We have several brands, including Novasol, Cottages.com, and House Season. We are in all Europe at the moment. I'm originally from Guatemala, but I have been living in Denmark for the past four and a half years. I started out as a self-taught front-end developer and later moved to a back-end development. Um, more recently, I've been having leadership positions and I'm currently working as an engineering manager, as I just said. Um, in my free time, I enjoy reading different types of books, spending some time outdoors, uh, cooking, and I have recently started to run it. But yeah, nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. So now that we've established a little bit of context on each of you, let's delve deeper into the topic at hand today, from engineer to engineering leadership. So before the recording, I asked each of you to pose a question that you'd like to ask the other participants of the group. Angle, if you'd like to kick us off with this. Yeah. <laughs> so my question was, like what good leadership in technology means, right? Does it necessarily mean people management? Uh, I think all of us in our career have been in this place where you start from individual contributing, inevitably it comes to, okay, do I continue my career as a people manager or as an individual contributor? And I think the field has evolved quite a lot, personally. Like, I, I see that now the careers of individual contributors have been expanded, like with principal engineer, distinguished engineer, and so on, which is the equivalent of a very senior people management function. But yet again, every time when I mentor people and coach people, they're at this crossroad and they cannot take a clear position. It, it, it's so much doubt what's the right thing for me to do. Yeah. And how I think personally, like it will be good to hear your views uh, around it is I always remind them, make sure that you solve the hardest problems for the company or the place that you work. If you do that, you will progress your career. And if you need people alongside you on this mission, go and become people manager. If you can solve them with the span of influence instead of span of authority, Keep it clean. This is my advice, but how do you think about this? Uh, but that, I think that's a super interesting perspective. I mean, I, I have, uh, I try and think of sometimes of the different aspects of leadership. So I think leadership is not just one thing. It's it, it, There's many ways of, as, as you pointed out, moving things forward. And so for me, it's typically sort of a Venn, Venn diagram. And depending on the organization, there could be different circles to say, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an element of craft leadership. Are you the best? At, at what you do is are you someone that other engineers look up to for that especially that's a form of leadership there's a there's a circle of people management which is sort of a 
the traditional what we think of as leadership you know can you mentor people can you bring them up can you help them uh, progress their careers uh, can you can you manage a team and that there's also sort of a uh, in, in the in the digital agency side I've, I've called it client consultancy but in in internally it could be sort of more of the architectural direction where you're very good at at making the trade-offs, setting you know the the pros and cons of different solutions, it's different from being strong at your craft and different from being a people manager. So I I, I tend to look at that Venn diagram and say I don't want to decide for each person where they they should be strong or where they are strong. Like people will typically gravitate towards maybe two of those circles and and a little bit less towards towards the last one. So in some cases, I think it's also about what are you comfortable doing? What is your strength as a as as a person? So you don't necessarily have to lead in a traditional sort of team leadership way, but you can also lead by being sort of that craft uh, beacon or or being the the sort of having the ability to to discuss solutions in a complicated way. I mean, I I think there's a progression of seniority at which sometimes I say that at the point when you when you when you are have the ability to propose a, a less optimal solution because it's better for the organization that's when you've progressed to a to a position of technical leadership is is uh, and, and that's difficult you know i think that's part of it as well so and that's that's at least some of the thinking um i've done around it but i, I like your 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 visual as well um about doing what's hardest at the moment i think that's that has value and what about yourself or stuff <laughs> i tend to agree with a lot of that uh, yeah, I think of course of leadership role that need that you need to be good in people management and of course also in tech. And you will likely mostly seen as a tech leader from everybody else because uh the handling the team is something well uh, that's not talked about in the business. You still have to take battles with uh, technical decisions, uh, at least on the architectural side you need to as you pointed out, do we do the best solution or do we do the, let's call it the business optimal solution where you yeah, tend to agree to do a lesser quality solution from technical point of view, but of course economically it makes sense to uh, do a trade-off once in a while. Uh, but what I'm doing normally when I think I'm, when I'm being a leader is that I protect my team and try to do all the battles uh, for them so they can concentrate on still be the technical part and then I try to talk convince whatever I need to do in order to figure out how do we do this best talk, take all the decisions or talks with the business side uh, what do you want how can we translate that into technical requirements and the other way around if we need to tell people that well, we need to do this before we can have the product because that, there's a lot of technical decisions that needs to be taken that has no interest from the business side. So I, um, I think it might also be what's called ambassadorship, if that's a word. <laughs> I don't know. It definitely is. <laughs> but I think that's a big part of what it is to be a tech leader, to translate all the hard parts to mm. the rest of the business. I think some great points there in terms of being a middleman between the business side and the technical side. Mm. And what's your take on? Yeah, I think um, for being a good uh, leader, you definitely need to be good with people. I think it depends from 
company to company, the roles, but as a leader, you often need to care of the people that is on your team. As Gustav said, you need to shield them somehow from all the problems that could be outside the team, but also you need to have other skills like very, like being very good at communicating the ideas to technical and non-technical stakeholders. Uh, you have to have like a clear vision of the business, so you will also guide the technical solution based on what is required, business-wise and technical-wise. I personally think that the leaders in, in the tech industry need to have like a strong technical background because they often guide the team and they mentor the members of the team. So uh, it might be that you are good at, uh, or you were very good as a developer, but now that you are leading the team, you probably only focus on describing the problems, communicating the solution, communicate the, with your stakeholders, what is like the proper way to do it. But you maybe you will not implement it right, but still you need to be able to transmit all the ideas, to take care of the people, to make sure that everything in your team is, is going fine, it's going smooth, they are happy. And uh, yeah, I think uh, in general, it's like a overall vision of everything that is going on. Even if you will not get into every single detail, it's, uh, it's good to have it all, uh, uh, like a good oversee. But uh, yeah, uh, Angel, maybe you you want to extend a little bit more on what you? No, it's if, if maybe I just so, try to summarize because I think we are all in the same page that leadership starts actually before the formal award of a title, right? Um, and is expressed in multiple ways, right? In order to lead, you need to be good with people. You need to be a good role model when you spoke about the importance of being technically savvy so that you can advise, you can guide, you can encourage people and push them further. That's what they're capable today of. Um, so if we, let's see, let's see if you, I will try to make it a justice to say that people should not neglect the soft part and the soft skills of their career because inevitably it will come a point where they will need to exercise more of those to lead people, to guide people, to show empathy, and to communicate a lot more with people that may not have their exact knowledge. And at the same time, stay laser sharp on the things that needs to be done, but do not go always for the optimal solution. Try to do the right solution for the business at the right problem. I think this is my summary of the first question. I think two key words in there that are critical for leadership were empathy and communication. I think that's one thing that was echoed across the room throughout this, the discussion on the first topic. One thing that you mentioned, Juan, was people having a background in engineering helps within the leadership position. And I know Gustavo, your questions related to the, the friction throughout this journey. So if you'd like to pose that to the group. Yeah, I can. Yeah, because uh, as you said, thinking that, that we are as leaders given leadership before we get the formal title. I know that my, so to say, title upgrade came after a few months where I'm actually doing what I'm doing now. Um, so the big question is, how do you handle that, let's call it transition to being more and more of a leader? How do you avoid just adding those leadership hours on top of what you normally do? Because you, uh, if you don't 
promoted or have a new fence title, you are to some degree still expected to do whatever you did before. And now also at some leadership, but it might feel like that. So how do you handle setting aside hours for being the leader and setting aside hours for doing what you normally do, uh, you quotes, because uh, it can be a challenge and you might also end up in a situation where the hours you spent on being the leader and just walking around talking with people in the small talks that has nothing to do with work, but of course it's a big important as a leader because, well, you have to take care of your team and need to know how they are. How do you avoid that being felt like a waste of time and everything? I mean, because for me, I try to be aware that is being important, but do you remember doing that every day? Uh, me, yeah. Well, um, I think um, when you do this transition, uh, as you say, it often happens after you've been leading the team and you're just called to lead it like in a formal way. Uh, what I would say that is important when you are doing this transition is also to set clear expectations within your team, with your company, with your manager uh, about what is required from you, what, what is the expectations that they have from you. I think based on that, you could also start planning ahead what is my number one priority now. Often, leaders have as priority the team, right? That if you have a, a team that is performing very well and you are the leader, then that could be your success success rate. I would say that uh, in, when, when you are an individual contributor, you are focused on one single task and you are focused on developing something uh, in tech, you will say, okay, I, I finished the application, finished my, my call, whatever you're working, and that's it. When you are being a leader, you are multiplying everyone's skills in your team. So you, you don't have the role as an individual contributor anymore, as you will say, but you have the role of the multiplier of everyone in your team. Uh, and I think the better they perform, it's a result of the of the work that you're adding in the team. Sometimes uh, the team will perform better maybe with something that it's not necessarily something technical, something that you could see, like that you will say this small talks, maybe to just encourage your team members more and now they feel more motivated and now they feel like uh, they want to be more productive. But in general, I would say that for a leader, the the overall goal is to make your team perform in the best possible way. Even if you are not calling that much anymore, or you will probably not find enough time to call anymore. At least this is my my personal point of view. Uh, maybe Angel could extend on this. Yeah, I, I think it's an excellent question, right? The only thing that every single person on this planet has in common is the same amount of time, right? And uh, it's a very, very precious commodity. It's it's incredibly hard. Like I struggle with this question every time when I take on a new task, new area, 
and so on, because what you very easily understand is that the inertia is very strong, right, to keep doing what you're doing. But the expectations has changed, right? And stopping back, reflecting on what is new, what's required actually from the neural is incredibly important. But in my career, I have seen a lot of people that do not do it, right? And by not doing it, naturally, as you said, everything new comes on top. So very easily in the first three to six months, you can find yourself drowning, right? Working 14, 16 hours and trying to compensate, to keep carrying all the old tasks and at the same time perform according to the new expectation. So what helps me the most is <clears throat> to remind myself success is a function of time, right? Where, it, where do you spend your time? So every month I will try to keep a day where I reflect back where my time has gone, right? Um, allocated by the type of activities where like how much is, for example, people management, how much is technical reviews, learning, like or other functions that I do, so that I'm very mindful of, okay, in the month going forward, is this the right allocation based on the expectations of myself, the role, the personal situation that I'm in, because our families need different things of us in different points of time as well. And it's incredibly hard, like, it's a constant struggle to find the right balance and to reallocate between the buckets time. But if we don't do it, we end up following instead of leading. At least this is my reflection. Then if, if I'm not proactive, I find myself, for example, in the most precious time in the morning, answering other people's emails or requests and so on. So naturally, I'm executing on somebody else's agenda instead of driving what I'm supposed to drive. And that's why it's so important to be very, very cautious around what exactly the activities are going and so on. Have all kinds of systems have tried. Nothing is going to solve it besides purely spending more time on where do you spend your time uh, so that you can allocate it in the best possible way. Uh, however, if I need to put some kind of a trend line, at least from my career, is I see the more senior you become, two things matter actually the most. Picking your team and setting the right strategy. So being able to recognize talent, to find the right talent, to put it there. And, and, and what I'm saying, the bar should be so high that you feel intimidated, right? So like you need to feel dumb around the team that you have built then you're incredibly successful. And then once you put this great team on the right problem, it's a very, very good um, like recipe for success. I mean, this is how I see it, Thomas? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an excellent question. I think there's a, for me, there's a simple answer and there's a hard answer. And I, I you know, the, the simple answer, which I try and do is essentially try and help uh, leaders under me when as they become leaders to, to free up time by in just very brutal ways by saying well if you're also going to be a team lead that's a day a week you're going to spend on that if you're also going to be you know a, according to the venn diagram before if you're also going to be a craft lead that's a day out of your week and just be that that's the, that's sort of the, the 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 simple formula and it's 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 crude and it's only sort of a, a, a bit of a crutch as you get used to it i think the the, the longer answer to me is 
with leadership comes the responsibility to be able to set your own priorities. And that's the hardest part of it. As you, I, I think you were alluding to that, or you were, you were talking about that in a sense, the first thing the leader needs to learn is that they're also responsible for their own time for the first time, probably, you know, that you're no longer just doing uh, uh, Jira tasks or whatever it is uh, as an engineer. And there's not a, there's not a clear backlog. Um, you have to take responsibility for that time that you spend and how you spend it. You have to understand the, the sort of factorial of spending time with your team in the sense that if I make 10 people 10% better, that's an extra pe person on the team, essentially. That, that, that uh, economic logic has to be part of, of, of what you do. Um, and then I think, you know, to a, to a certain level, so, so once you understand that, I think then you have to have that power to make those decisions. So I think sometimes, and I've experienced this in my own career, sometimes you get stuck in a job where the expectation is you lead, but no one has actually given you the mandate to make changes in the team underneath you. So you're sort of just a people leader trying to make sure the team is happy, but you've not been given the mandate to make changes, which means you can't really act as a leader because part of being a leader is controlling what what work uh, your team does because otherwise that balance is not going to work out so so one of the the things i i talk a lot about is the gravity of responsibility so you know i in a very geeky physics kind of way i say you know we have to turn up the gravity of responsibility in our organization so as i give someone some of my responsibilities as a leader they then have to give something away uh to other people so you have to make the tasks heavier essentially so you know the the engineering lead gives something to the seniors. The senior gives more to the associates. The associates gives more to the juniors. So you're sort of you're, you're sort of putting pressure on top. And and you know a, a little bit cheekily, I like to say you know the right amount of gravity is when it hurts a little bit, but the the, the guy above you is there to help. So you know a little bit squeezed, but there's someone there to you know pick up the load if it's too much, um, because I think. What you're basically saying, Gustav, at some level is that taking on that extra responsibility hurts. You know, it's difficult. It's 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 a tough thing to do. And that, in some ways, is, is a sign that you're pushing responsibility to the right level where someone is, wow, this hurts, but I can do it. You know, I, I, I can I can train my way out of it in a sense so I can I can lift that. And that that is a sort of a mental image um, I like to have. Um, yeah, Gustav, I think maybe you want to reflect a little bit on on your own question. Yeah, now the thing is, I'm saying great input from all of you. And yeah, and, uh, when I think about it I, and think about how do I actually divide my time, uh, in our company, we also, because uh, we have to do uh, this product development for our own sake and new company and this digital products, which means external customers, and then want stuff to be done yesterday. And when we have to manage uh, what are we actually doing now and blah, blah, blah. We are in a position where we actually time block some of it uh, because that has to be done also to the development team because they know, need to know how much time they can spend on each uh, various product. So, uh, to some degree, that has luckily been fixed by the need for being able to split time anyways. Uh, but of course, the leadership part, which is essentially hard to count how much time you spend, uh, because 
when you walk out of the door after after hours, you close your computer, you talk to code. Well, you know you're not doing that, but you're still thinking. You're still doing all this kind of mind stuff that you do take you know, with you home, and you might sit with your family and you're there, but really you aren't work and and think. So that's. Uh, I think the most strong because counting hours not hard. So of course, when you reach forty, oh, well, I should stop, go home. But uh, it's a uh, constant struggle, and of course, trying to put some responsibility away is uh, also good. But you still have to be in a position where you are enough people to do that, which in a small company can be a struggle. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Uh, good feedback from everybody. I think that was a great answer to the question. I think right from the start, Juan, you and you explored why in terms of moving over from a quantifiable target into a hypothetical one, and then you said you know taking accountability of your time right through to the economic sense of making ten people ten percent better. It's like having an extra person on the team. I think it went right well, and it was a real pleasure to listen to. Well, moving on to Thomas, I know you had a question to pose to the panel. I did. I've, I've, you know, recently in terms of, of leadership career growth, I've been looking at these concepts of engineering ladders. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about them, but essentially, I think it's it's one model of defining a clear set of roles, a graduation of engineering talent from, you know, junior developers all the way through, and then also defining different types of leadership roles from sort of team leads to to more uh, craft-focused leadership, um, engineering managers, ultimately. And I think there's sort of a, a sense that, that that's really nice to have in terms of defining career growth for everyone to look and say, well, the next steps I have the opportunity to take is here. Then at some point, I can sort of start thinking about where do I want to put my focus? You know, is, is am, am I going into the team leadership direction or if I'm, am I more of sort of an entrepreneur or a craft guy? On the other hand, I think there's a there's a there's sometimes a sense that that is is too tight a definition of leadership. And I think what I alluded to with the Venn diagrams earlier that there's different people that different people can can contribute leadership in different ways. And I'm a little bit concerned that if that if we go into these very clear role definitions, some people will get stuck in that ladder. So I, I was just wondering if if you guys have have thoughts on that, Gustav. If you want to go first. Yeah, it's it's actually a good question. Uh, my background is mostly from small companies uh, where you naturally, no matter how poor you are, need to fill out a lot of roles. We talk about role definitions, and to, I think having the role definitions or at least the exercise in defining roles are good because then you might realize what is that is important for you and the company. So. Having the exercise, defining roles are good. In small companies, it will take a day or two before you're outside the role anyways, but I guess for larger companies, it makes more sense to have defined roles because then you also have a career path and everything that you can look at and figure out do you want to uh, do something else, then you can uh, apply for a different role in the same company. Whereas in small companies, it's in with that now they apply to shift roles because they they're all green or white, so well someone has to do it. Mm. It is also part of the leadership that okay, agree or 
acknowledge that someone is doing something that they might not want to do, but in a small company, you just have to do that role anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's a correct answer to the question about roles being good or bad, and I also think it depends on who you are, because if you're a person that likes clearly defined roles or boundaries, role definitions are really good. Uh, for others uh, that like to be all around, it might be uh, basically a burden to have one. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's my take on it. Uh, John? Yeah, a uh, very interesting question. I think uh, I I had the the situation as a developer when my my younger years I was wondering where should I go after this step of this uh, current position and I think also depends on the on the company that you are at. Small companies, as Kustan say, often uh, don't have a clear definition of the roles and in a startups, for example, you end up doing more than just one single role. While in bigger companies where you have a more years, uh, they, they have more years in the market, they had more people previously that uh, they defined the roles, they decided this is going to be the path from becoming a junior to a senior and then a tech lead, and they could, could be that they offer positions as a lead engineer, for example, or like architect, and that other companies don't offer. So I would say uh, it, it depends on the company, the size of the company, also the actual reality of the company. Maybe there is a company that is struggling, whether it's small or big, then you probably need to find a, a different type of of engineers, of people joining to you that have different personalities. Um, I would just add on this uh, that even if the company often defines this, or at least bigger, big companies define this, uh, it's a matter of what you want. What you want as a developer, what you want as an engineer, what you want as a lead. Is this a role that you feel comfortable? Is it a role that was imposed to you or you just got it because nobody else was taking it and then you took the ownership of the product or the process of or something and then you end up having this extra role that everyone else now assumes you have it? Is it something that you really want to have it? If yes, then, then there's no problem, right? But if not, then how do you adjust the definition that the company has on your role to reflect what you're actually doing? Uh, and then uh, I think there's where it be, becomes a little bit more difficult because then you will need to negotiate with, with the company like, oh, you know, that this is the, another role I was supposed to be doing, but this is what I'm effectively doing. Um, I would say as a, as a rule of thumb, challenges of this type often uh, gives great experiences. Uh, people that lead the teams under these circumstances often gain more experience than what they were supposed to. And, and leaders that are more flexible on the change, I think they are more uh, likely to adapt into different companies, into different roles, and being able to grow outside the current company that you are. Or at least that's, that's my impression. 
uh, and you know, I personally prefer to be more flexible in in uh, in, in all these uh, situations. So uh, I guess, like Gustav said, depends depends on the situation, depends on the company. Uh, but uh, lastly, depends on the leader or the engineer who is taking that role. Uh, what do you think, Angel? Look, engineering bladders, it's a very interesting concept. And <clears throat> so, <clears throat> where do I start? Like, I used to be an entrepreneur, like before my consulting, before joining Mursk. I started two companies, one was software development company, there was an outsourcing complex. The interesting word is that in startups, nobody cares about roles, titles, and so on. Like it's, we need to get the job done. The excitement is driven by different things. Once you go to a large enterprises, though, this has a different meaning. People care a lot more. Do they care a lot more for the right reasons? I'm not sure, but typically it's compensation is attached to titles, right? And I think this is what drives it. Uh, last year, like I was lucky enough to, to go on a tour on a couple of very large startups, maybe scallops now, not startups because they had engineering games at a thousand more people in India. And they have gone through this journey of having titles to not having titles. And uh, the person back then shared with me, she like, because in, in India, it's it's huge part of the culture, right? To be recognized and celebrated with a title. And I asked him, how did you dare to simplify it, right? And to take senior lead out of a software engineer? Because they made everybody software engineer. Um, and he told me, look, uh, we, observed that people started becoming over obsessed with different titles and they were going to their managers and discussing yeah, when I'm going to become lead, when I'm going to become senior and so on. And we ask ourselves why, what's going on here, right? Because we made sure that the best people get the best compensation, they worked on the hardest problems. And one of actually of their developers told them, because you have them, it's in our human nature when there is something on the shelf for us to want it. If you don't have it on the shelf, I don't care. Like, I like my colleagues, I like the problems that I'm solving, but when you dangle it in front of me all the time, naturally I will pursue it. And this opened their eyes that people are obsessing over, instead of their own development and progressing on the skills, on the titles, right? And this allowed them to simplify. Now, this brings me to the second point, like ditching the titles aside, right? It's how do you do career development, right? And in my opinion, you need to have some framework, right? Which balance the technical and the soft skills that you need to become a leader, right? And I'm a big fan of the T profiles, right? Where you have a clear spike in one dimension, like, and then you're good at the others. You cover basically the table stakes. So, for example, you can be extremely good front-end developer, but you need to have some understanding about uh, but to production, CICD, and so on. You cannot be completely ignorant around this part so that you can uh, understand the implications of your work to other colleagues and so on. Right, or for example, databases again and data structures, because when you design the UI, you, you need to be able to imagine if I modify slightly this data, how can I create better user experience and not just copy and replicate the UI that was designed by somebody else. Same thing on, on the soft skills, right? Communication, strategy, empathy, 
right? You need to have some framework that allows you to calibrate where people are, what their passion is to develop, and then to push them and to show them this is what actually the next level in this dimension looks like. And I look at all of this so that we can develop the talent further, right? Uh, I think it's more important. Otherwise, if we just pursue titles, I have observed that many, many times where people come and say, I have ticked the boxes on those three skills when I'm becoming great. And I you're like, yeah, but you have not shown the leadership required like to lead the team, to be the go-to person for this type of problems in the company and so on. And even the scarier part, I think it becomes on the more senior roles, right? It's when the roles cannot be just created out of thin air, right? You have the business seat and then you have the role. So you cannot make everybody ultra mega super senior leads, right? Because the business just needs a healthy distribution between all the levels. And then I find that a lot of managers do not know how to have those conversations to say, look, yes, absolutely, you have covered the basin, but our company today cannot provide you with the opportunity to exercise those things at the scale. So me as your leader and so on, I'll work with you to find the right opportunity. Maybe it's not even with our company, but people are not prepared to have those conversations. I don't know what you think of us. No, I think those were some really good points around. I, I, I think it was, there, there's a lot of, I've done a lot of reflection. I've been in, you know, large, large companies. I've been in startups. I've been in different uh, contexts. Right now I'm back with a smaller team. And I think the way I've, and also as context, I was always an engineer who bristled against role definitions. Like no one was putting me in a box ever. But, and I think, but, you know, as a part of sort of maturation and trying different things, I kind of feel there's a balance where, as, as, as you pointed out, the, the 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 definitions of roles can be a good beacon for what's next you know what do i need to practice as an engineer if that's my ambition you know if i want to be a team lead in the future there's somewhere i can look and say okay i mean i i can reflect i can talk to my manager but there's three skills here that i clearly don't have yet that i need to work on i think in that context it can be very useful as sort of a, 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 a when when younger developers just look and don't know, you know, what do I need to show to to be there? Um, but I also agree with 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 what you guys pointed out that in most companies, if you if if it becomes sort of a prison of of roles, this is your role, and you can't do anything outside of that, then it it defeats its purpose in a sense. So I think there's sort of a balance there where I'm now trying to see it as a way to have conversations with people about, hey, you know look at this guy what he does in these areas and here's some words that describe what that is you know but can you, you know, like reflect on what it would take for you to get to that point in this area and that i think is is super useful as as, as an engineering matter more than i think the the framing and the and the role definitions uh are useful but i i do think that probably if if i had if my career had been in at the time when I think there's more maturity around these different paths and different different roles that would probably have helped at some point rather than sort of really having to to discover and find my own way through that. I think some great insights there. But linking it to the, the final question, I think one thing that's been a recurring theme throughout the whole podcast has been empowerment, communication, and getting the best out of those beneath you when you become into engineering leadership. So Juan, I know your question directly addresses this. Yeah, so I think this is also uh, 
like an extension of the previous topic um, because yeah n uh, at some point you were the developer the junior developer that wanted to grow and wanted to become a senior and wanted to uh, keep gaining knowledge uh, but now that uh, you are in a leading position now is the is the other way around it is you who need to make or your or your team members improve it is you that now needs to take care of that so I was uh, wondering, how do you assess your team members' career growth, and how do you support and facilitate it in a in an easy, clear way to them? Uh, maybe Angel can. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's an excellent question because it's not easy, and <laughs> I will try to describe what we are trying out at Perskin. We are trying it out at scale. So when you become a leader, right, typically you have a cross-functional team. You have front-end developers, back-end developers, designers, testers, DBAs, SREs, all kinds of different specialties in your teams. And the classical way, like from the classical enterprise, is when you have the manager being accountable for every one of those specialties development. But let's assume I have come up from front-end developer and while I feel comfortable coaching a front-end developer, what do I know about back-end development, SRE? How can I add value to this person's career if I have zero understanding of their specialty, the latest and greatest in their space and so on? So when we started the digital transformation in Maersk, we said, look, we, we very cautiously increased the path control of the engineering managers. So it's not the typical eight. We're striving between 14 to 16 people. But we said, look, you're not going to be accountable for the people managed with like the people development. We have created communities of practice and we encourage people to find mentors in the communities of practice. So we have design community of practice, front-end community of practice, back-end community of practice. With 300, 500 people in those communities because it's a lot more powerful if you're apprentice on the specific skill set and discipline from a developer to a developer, from a designer to a designer, from a, a DevOps engineer to a DevOps engineer, from a data scientist to data scientist. Because then, first of all, you get the opportunity to pick your mentor because it's not everybody can be coached by everybody. It's also part of chemistry that you need to have with your mentor and develop. And it's very rarely that it matches with your direct manager. Uh, also, it, it allows for a lot to open, more open dialogue, right, where you can openly disagree and you just don't fall badly because my manager told me so and this is what I depend on. And it, the relevance increase, and I, I, I strongly believe that the, the time invested yields a lot more rather than a generic type, okay, can you please do one certification in the next quarter on Azure? Maybe it's completely random for me. So this is how I think. And then when it's time for assessment, what I encourage the people manager is to collect 360 degree feedback, right? From the community of practice, from the people participation, from their curiosity and learning, from uh, the team members that they work with, how they're performing, what they're strong about, and so on, and from a stakeholder. And then the manager almost becomes a facilitator role to get feedback from your ecosystem so that they can play it back and synthesize it almost as a executor rather than directly responsible. 
because if you manage to perform in all of those environments, have good relationships with your team, good colleagues, like you're pulling your weight, if you're developing yourself and you have proactively seeking the mentorship and you're working on the things that you have been guided on, and your stakeholders on the business side or product side are happy, like naturally, in my opinion, you start hitting your strides and performing as what's expected. So I, I know that it may say very heavy as a pros, and it is, right? I'm not saying it's, it's much easier to sit down for half an hour, somebody in a quarter of him do that and then move on. But I think this is what I call pretend uh, management and development of people. Mm. So that's uh, how I think about the framework, and it's uh, really, really important to us. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. I think we, where I am now, we don't have the luxury of having 300 people community of practice, so we have to have a slightly different model. But I don't think it's that different in intent, in the sense that I I, I think I, I talked about this before, but I, I think there's you know there's the ability to be a craft leader and there's the ability to be a team leader, and I think that you know both have a place in the organization. Um, both to me have an, a role to play in career development in the sense that there is definitely a need for mentorship, for quality control, for for adjustments from a craft leader. So someone who's a beacon in that area, is it front end, is it back end, what, whatever is the, your professional area is. And then there's also the team leadership. And and I think there's a layer in which for a, for an agency like ours who have multiple customers, the, the one of the principles I have is that the person who owns the development of a of, of, of an engineer also has to have influence on the assignment of, of projects because of course the way we work is we work on multiple projects for multiple clients and I've had this these conversations as you alluded to before these hour you know once every quarter and you sit there and someone goes well I would love to do more react or I would love to do more this and if I'm receiving that I can say sure. But if I have no influence on what clients or what projects they work on, it's irrelevant because the the real learning comes when you apply, when you get the chance to apply that in 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 a sense. So I can say to some so so the team leads can say, well, show me that you're that I can trust you to be on a client project with that technology, and the next time that technology comes along, I'll make sure you get assigned to that project. So there's sort of a a, a sense of that overlap, and it's it's an interesting discussion because that's not. The craft leadership. So the craft leadership has the development of the quality of you know your ability to to deliver in that craft, and the team leadership needs the ability to put you in situations where you get challenged in the areas where you want to develop. And then I think when it comes to sort of the the the, the steps that lead towards leadership, um, that then the soft skills that, that that you've been talking about, I think that, that that's a different process, and that's where I will get more involved as sort of the 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 CTO, the 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 the, the the leader there because I have the most experience in that to have conversations about that when when people want to sort of understand what that soft leadership looks like I think those are conversations I where I feel I can mentor uh, uh, people strongly and that's obviously typically in the level below so so people who are already to some level engineering managers or at least lead developers so so the, I think there's a lot of uh, complexity there I think one of the difficult things to like one of the, the, the things I when, when we talk about getting into these leadership roles or, or taking those steps when it's not just craft development from junior to senior, one of the questions that I like to ask back is, you know, what do you want to do less of? Like, think of, reflect about 
what is it you want to put down? What, well, you know, you, if you st if you start spending only 40% of your time building front end, you're not going to be the same front end developer in a year that you are now. Like that, that's the nature of investing your time and having those conversations as part of that and just pushing back and saying, you know, we have this Venn diagram, we have all these things a leader can do. Something has to give because no one can do everything well. And for some people like me, that's over time just stopping coding. It's like, just don't do it anymore. But for other people, it can be different. You know, they want to keep that, that craft beacon, but then there's something else they have to not be able, like they can't, you can't be good at everything. So I think those conversations are really interesting um, to me, at least. Uh, Gustavo, do you have a... Yeah, I have to add. <laughs> yeah, because your point is very much so to my point, because I'm also in this very small company, like the oldest more. Uh, so the career path and uh, growth are somewhat difficult because, well, there's a certain amount of products that we have and some cannot just change technology just because we want to and figure out that their own new week, new technology, that's just not an option. So you have to grow in another way and that's in a smaller team, you're likely also, everybody has more responsibility so, and has to basically adopt and try to figure out how to solve the task because there's no one to ask about a certain scenario or how do we do that because, well, it's up to you. So in a small company, you are growing quite fast because you have to solve it yourself. And if you cannot do that, and well, you might not be in a small company for a very long time because a lot of people are dependent on you, which is also something that you will grow from because if you don't deliver, Grow, uh, yeah, you're not there. And of course, at some point, people grow out of the role they are, you know, want to change something. A small company, you just have to accept that, yes, we understand that you need to move on. No, they say it, or we agree to the fact that, well, this is the end of the road for this collaboration, so. Uh, Hopefully we can help you out or you have some time to help us out in the meantime where we find some new body helps. So it's more of collaboration between the let's call the employer and the employee to a degree where everybody takes care of the career growth because it's needed in smaller companies. Okay. It also means that uh, the two or three yearly certificates in small companies, it's not happening because there's no, not enough money, there's not enough time, so we have to advance in another way. So, Sam, you know, because I also like the fact that in larger companies like most, you have the opportunity to ask other people, uh, have them into, have a community, but uh, yeah, to for some companies, that's just not an option. Oh. Uh, but yeah, you jump a uh, final fault. Sorry. Yeah, I think the um, the the reason of this question uh, is because I feel that the the growing path is quite important for all developers, and developers often feel happy in a company where they get challenged. And one way of challenging them is to have a career path, a growing path, uh, something that we 
that you already say is it depends on the company, the size of the company, but the budget of the company, it will be how you define your growing path. What I think is important is that the the manager, the lead, could define a framework to follow, a, a plan of action that you could actually apply to all the team members, whether it is uh, find the mentorship outside the team. I think that's a, actually a really great approach or whether it's, I don't know, um, find another way of make your developers from being uh, good, becoming great. Uh, and I think if you define a, a, a path for doing this, you'll find out that this is an investment for the company that after one year, as uh, as you will say, Thomas, naturally you become better on what you are trying to become better. And uh, as, a, as a leader, as I just said before, I think the output of the team is also uh, your responsibility and is something that you should look for. Yeah. I think a great thing on that question as well. I think we've addressed this from engineer to engineering leadership from multiple perspectives, be it from the managerial perspective or the ways in which engineers can be empowered. But at this stage, I ask everybody if there's any further questions, anything you'd like to ask the rest of the panel. Uh, I have a final comment. I think sometimes the, the journey from junior and up through engineering is really a question of delayed gratification in the sense that when you're a junior, you build a module, you see the results the same day and then as you grow in your engineering role, the, the results of your work move out further and further. The dopamine hit essentially comes later. At, the, at some point, you're looking eight months, nine months into the future before you know whether it worked or not. And I think that's really you know one of the things that I, I drew from this conversation is that that is a skill that you need to build up, the ability to sort of hold your cool while you wait for the results of all the work you've done. Absolutely. And the other take that I have is do not wait, right? Take on your career development yourself on the opportunities. Leadership is not given. You can lead from any position. Start practicing this muscle, start exercising it, and just be proactive about it. Anything else anyone would like to add? And I was think last one was a great point, but you have to yet take leadership on yourself as well. And that's important to remember. Yeah, I would just uh, like to add that, uh, at least to me, I think the leading position, I felt that it was not like a promotion, as many developers believe that it's just more like a change of the of the path from being an individual contributor to focus on the team and focus on different skill aspects that you usually don't focus that much as a as a developer or as an engineer. Still, it's, uh, it's great though. Perfect. Very cool. I'd just like to thank you all for some amazing contributions. If you'd like to feature on a future episode, please approach me on LinkedIn, Connor Leyland. I'll see you all soon.